Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. As we inch closer and closer to the second Republican debate, and as the process continues to unfold for Trump's legal troubles, it has become abundantly clear. Republicans are stuck with Donald Trump. Welcome to Counterthought. So I've touched on the topic of Donald Trump v. the rest of the field a couple of times in the life of this podcast. I was a Trump supporter, voted for him twice, 2016, 2020. I knew then and I know now, you know, nothing has changed with him. He is a flawed candidate. You know, his, he's not like the most polished individual. He's not what we, I guess, would would have in a perfect world whenever it comes to a, a presidential candidate, but he was a great president. He was one of the most successful, if not the most successful presidents in my lifetime. The policies that he said he was going to to stand for and to implement and pass and everything within his administration, he has done, especially the big ones. You know, the Supreme Court, three justices, that is unheard of. However, there are flaws to Donald Trump that came back to bite him in 2020. You know, we used to joke, oh, you know, no more mean tweets. Well, surveys and polling show after the 2020 election that his mean tweets actually did have a significant impact when it came to a large swath of his his supporters in 2016, the suburban moms. Suburban moms, you know, they want to know that their kids are safe. They want to know that their kids are receiving a good education. They want to know that nothing is going to be taken away from them when it comes to their rights. They want to know that they, you know, can rely on on healthcare and good jobs and a good economy and a good education for their children. And they talk amongst each other. And women are like more of a group. They they would be more in agreement with with one another. Not saying that there's not individuals. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when when they get together and they talk and women communicate with each other more than than men do, especially verbally and, and emotionally, they say like, hey, you know, like, you know, I'm not, I'm really kind of put off by what I'm what I'm seeing here, by the tweets I'm seeing, by by the words that Trump uses, you know, in his speeches and how you know bombastic he is and how attack how much he he attacks those that are against him, and that resonates from group to group within the suburban mom community. So for the reasons why Trump is not, you know, outside of the reasons why, you know, he did not get elected from a, a COVID standpoint in 2020, there are plenty of things that he is responsible for. There are plenty of things that he is responsible for that he has not yet corrected in his now seven years of his political life. My belief when Trump was in office is that if Trump spoke the way Pence spoke, just 50% of the time, 
just 50% of the time. That Trump's approval rating would have been above 50%, probably would have been around 55%. You know, the last president that we've seen that high would have been uh, Barack Obama. That if he would have just spoken more eloquently or picked his spots, you know, when to attack, right? Because that was necessary to fight off everything he was going against in his first term. He needed to attack, but he didn't need to always attack. And he didn't just attack those who are, you know, in the Democrat party. He didn't just attack those that are in the deep state, the never Trumpers. He was also attacking those who were within his own camp that may have a disagreement with him. And we've seen that play out today, right? We've seen him attack those who were part of his administration that seem to be close allies just because that's what he does. He does not have a filter. He does not have any type of reflex that says, oh, eh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't say that. You know, prime example, Kaylee McEnany, press secretary for Trump for the last year, I think maybe two years of his presidency, about a year and a half, just attacked her out of the blue because of something he interpreted that she said during one of her um, outnumbered hosting spots on Fox News. You know, she has been loyal to Trump and he talks about loyalty all the time. But where is his loyalty to those that he expects to be loyal to him? That's something he needs to account for. You know, he says, oh, DeSanctimonious, Ron DeSanctimonious. You know, Ron's not loyal to me. Ron was begging me in 2018 to get him elected over Andrew Gillum for the, you know, the governor's race and for the state of Florida. You know, and now that he's running against me, he's not loyal to me. Okay, well, where is your loyalty to those who have been loyal to you? It seems like the only one within Trump's inner circle that has not caught any kind of uh, flack for anything, you know, has not been attacked is Stephen Miller, who was in charge of his, you know, southern border policy during his first term. But where is Trump's loyalty to to others? Talks about, oh, you know, Mike Pence, you know, he's running for 2024. He's not loyal. Okay. But Trump, where is your loyalty to him? And I know all the MAGA right now is probably freaking out watching this episode saying, yeah, well, you know, Pence wasn't loyal to him because he didn't do what he was supposed to do and that he, that he had the right to do and the capability to do legally to stop the election, the electoral votes from being counted in the Senate you know, in Congress, he didn't do that. So he wasn't loyal to Trump. Why should Trump be loyal to him? Yeah, well, MAGA, if you would, you know, step into the real world for a moment and hold off on your fandom for Trump, you would have known that Pence could not legally just stop the election results. I mean, that's been proven, right? And you need to, you need to understand that. Trump expected Pence to do that. You say, oh, wait, novel legal theory. No, but the vice president doesn't have the capability to just stop the election results. If that was the case, every vice president before Pence could have done the same thing. And then that would have set up, you know, presidents never leaving office, which is what one of the things that the Constitution was guarding against, that it wouldn't be like a kingdom that was over there in England, which is what our founders fled. So Trump has issues that 
continue to haunt him. Things that continue to just shoot. He just, he just continues to shoot himself in the foot. And if Trump would just be more polished, the, the struggle that Republicans uh, are facing of, you know, do I support him or do I support someone, another candidate who I think can maybe accomplish the same things or similar things, you know, have the same policies as Trump, but isn't going to come with all the extra baggage, isn't going to come with the, oh, let me check my ex account, formerly Twitter, and see what, you know, the president is saying today and just kind of cringing as you do it, just like swiping, scrolling, like, eh, not good, eh, not good. Again, it's been my long held belief that if Trump would just sure up his messaging, if he would not be so careless in his campaigning and his daily messaging, it's great that he used Twitter to reach the people because we know that the legacy media, the liberal media, which is about 90 to 95% of the media out there are against him. It's great that he was able to use formerly Twitter, now X, to reach the American people, to reach you and me. However, his messaging while doing so became problematic. Again, we used to joke, no mean tweets. However, those mean tweets came back to bite him in the butt in 2020, especially with the suburban women, the suburban moms. So if Trump could just stay on message, when he's on message, he is great, right? He, it won him 2016. And I believe that if COVID did not happen in 2020, that he would have won in 2020 as well, because he had the roaring economy. He had, he was coming through on, on his policies. There were no new wars, but he just, because of COVID and everything that was changed in the elections, that was just too much for him to overcome. He was able to overcome his careless messaging and his bombastic nature and the way that he attacked individuals because everything else was so good. But you throw on COVID and everything else as a result of that on top of it, and it was just too much for, to overcome. But those are the things that he needs to sure up in order to win in 2024. And this brings me to this masterful plan, as much as it pains me to say it, this masterful plan that the Democrats have come up with in order to face off against Trump in the general election in 2024. Now, it's been long discussed that the Democrats' plan was to make Trump easily win the primary election of the Republican Party. And it seems like that's going to happen. He has about a 35 to 40 point lead over, his, over the next highest um, candidate, which is Ron DeSantis. And that lead has only grown over the past few months, as these indictments have been rolled out against him, going back to, I think, May with the New York indictment. <clears throat> and then now we have Atlanta and we have down here in Florida with the, the classified documents case. And then we have another one in Washington, D.C. regarding uh, J6. So he has four indictments to our state, I believe, and to our federal. Yes, to our state, to our federal. New York and Georgia are our state and D.C. and Florida are federal charges. And the Democrats played this masterfully. What they did is they, kn they knew that Trump has locked in about 35% of his support is his MAGA base. 
MAGA, for those of you who are unaware, are those individuals who are going to stand by Trump no matter what. Trump famously said he could shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square and no, and he and he, with his support of his MAGA supporters, you know, he would not be arrested. He would still have their support. And that's true. So Trump locked down 35%. So what does he need to get to? He needs to get to 50%, 48 to 50%. So we need another 12 to 15%. He's probably going to get the other Republicans, you know, like myself who voted for him twice. That's maybe another five to 10%. But the independents are the big question mark. And what the Democrats did by um, going forward with these four indictments, and you can say like, oh, these have these are legit, and you can say they're lawfare, you know, political lawfare. But what they did is they got Republicans trapped. And I'll admit this because I started off, I have an episode, I think it's around episode 25, 28, somewhere around in there, saying that Trump is going to be the candidate for the Republican Party in 2024, and he needs to be. I made that episode back in late 2021, or it may have been around January of 2022. And then as everything was playing out over the last like year or so, I was like, oh, you know, well, DeSantis, you know, DeSantis got a lot of notoriety for how he handled the state of Florida during COVID and how he was, you know, standing up and fighting against the liberal media that was trying to pin him as, you know, in the pockets because for of in the pockets of publics because uh, the state of Florida decided to use Publix as one of the primary locations for seniors to go and get their medications, you know, because Publix made a $100,000 do- donation to his campaign. Yeah, well, if you lived in Florida and knew anything about Florida, Publix is about, you know, a stone's throw away no matter where, which way you're facing. So that was a logistical decision, not a, a campaign donor decision. But I was like, all right, you know. DeSantis is out there disabusing the the media that's trying to attack him. Everyone seemed to like that. Whenever the 2022 midterm elections were done, everyone was thinking, you know, well, well, DeSantis, you know, he's like Trump, but he's more polished than Trump. I think he can still get everything done and and through like Trump policy wise. So, you know, there was maybe like it was like a 30-25 kind of between the two. They're within about five points or so after the 2022 election. And DeSantis had a huge victory in 2022. He won by, I think it was about 20-something points over Charlie Crist. But DeSantis stayed true to his responsibilities as governor. He wanted to did not declare until after the legislative session in the state of Florida wrapped up in April or May of this year. And then he had his Twitter X launch. Probably should have done something video-related instead of a phone call, but he tried something new you know, whatever. But DeSantis has not gotten back up to where he once was right after the 2022 election. And with these indictments against Trump, what where the way it is trapping the Republicans is that Republicans, again, he has this 35% MAGA base. And Republicans that were thinking maybe, maybe DeSantis, you know, very similar, but, you know, he controls his his language better, his messaging better, his communication better. Doesn't DeSantis is not the same uh, uh, personality as Trump? You know, he doesn't storytell. A lot of politics is about storytelling instead of policy, and that's that's a whole separate issue. But all of that, um, everyone that was looking to DeSantis as potentially being their choice instead of Trump, 
now feel obligated, many Republicans, myself included, have now gone from Trump to DeSantis and now back to Trump. Because we feel this obligation, we see the bigger picture that these political indictments against Trump are not just you know, against Trump. What it's doing is it's setting the precedent that laying the groundwork for this to happen again in the future, not only to president to to presidential candidates or former presidents, but it is also going to affect our voting, our democracy. Literally, we hear about oh, threats to democracy. Well, this is literally a threat to democracy. In some of these cases, these the indictments against Trump, they are penalizing him for having conversations and saying that's not confidential conversations with his lawyer. With his lawyer, it's, they're saying that trying a novel legal theory, whether it is right or it is wrong, is illegal. You know, but yet we saw that with with the student loan cancellation, you know, debt forgiveness. Biden said he knew that wasn't right, but he did it anyway. He also said the same thing when it came to, I think, the rent uh, moratoriums. He said he knew that that wasn't right or no, using OSHA to try to force the, the V mandates upon individuals. You know, that was a novel legal theory. He went ahead and did it, but I don't see anybody going after Biden and his lawyer saying that that was illegal and, you know, breaking the law. So Republicans see the bigger picture, and that is why they are now caught between between a rock and a hard place. Like, okay, well, yeah, like I support Trump, but yeah, but now I have to support him. I have to support him because this is just bigger than Trump. And he's famously said, you know, they hate me because. They hate you. Trump is just standing in the way. He is, you know, the martyr. So the Democrats have played the Republicans perfectly. The Republicans are now forced, whether they want to or not, to defend Trump, not only for Trump, but also for the future of the democracy and within our country. The only thing that has arisen now, however, that is getting the Democrats a little bit worried is how bad Joe Biden is. Again, the Democrat strategy was let's make it so that Trump is guaranteed, you know, through these indictments, guaranteed to win the Republican primary. Again, he has a 35 to 60 point lead. Seems like that is going to happen. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, he's going to win the nomination unless something crazy happens which it could. I mean, this is America now. But they wanted to lock him in for the win of the GOP primary, which would then catapult him to the general against Biden. And there are other pieces that are being laid out, you know, talking about masking up again, talking about how Biden's excuse will be not only that, you know, he needs to mask up and can't travel around to campaign stops, but he's also not going to debate Trump because why would he debate someone who is charged with 80 some odd, um, four indictments and 80 some odd charges. Why would he debate someone like that? You know, that is beneath him, yada, yada, yada. That's what they're setting it up. That's what they're setting up for, for the general election in 2024. But because Biden is so bad, national polling shows that Trump and Biden are even. So that's throwing a curveball into this Democrat strategy. They thought for sure that they wanted Trump. You notice all their attacks are against DeSantis because they think DeSantis could win enough of those independent voters and the 
and the suburban women who he who Trump lost in 2020, that DeSantis could win those back. So the focus of the attacks is on DeSantis. However, because Biden is so bad, Trump is still a threat in the national polling to Biden. And that has the Democrats worried. They have this a masterful plan and they have pinned the Republicans in a corner. However, the support for Trump is now equal to Biden because Biden has been so bad. And that leaves, again, the Republicans stuck with Trump, whether they like it or not. Again, Trump is careless with his messaging. He is careless with his communication. Not to mention the fact that he has reports are that he has siphoned off about $50 million from his campaign fund in order to fund his own legal fees. If you have donated to Donald Trump for his election, did you intend for your money to be used for his legal fees? The legal fees of a billionaire? He should be able to handle his own legal fees, correct? Does that irk you? Does that bother you that you know, you're donating for one thing, the election, however, the money is being used for something else? Not to mention no support for those on J6 for their legal fees, you know, no mention of support or asking for donations to support their legal defense fund. One of the guys just got convicted and sentenced to 22 years in federal prison for text messages being sent as wrong as they were, but 22 years for text messages got charged with seditious conspiracy. Can Trump speak about that or is he not allowed to speak about that from a legal standpoint? But Republicans are now, despite all of this, whether you like it or not, faced with Trump. He's got the 35% MAGA base and he has not pledged that he would support the GOP nominee if it was someone other than him. So there is a legitimate fear and <laughs> it's evident not only within GOP voters like myself, but also the RNC, the Republican National Committee, because they fear that if Trump was not the nominee, that he would then run third party in which the Republicans would not have any chance then of winning the general election in 2024. And the RNC is, was, is so fearful of that happening that they've made, they're trying to get all of the candidates in the, gen, in the primary to pledge support to the nominee going into 2024. And Trump hasn't signed that. He hasn't said, you know, like, yeah, the good hard fight, good sportsmanship. I'm putting all my all my support and want all my my supporters to put their support behind the nominee. He hasn't said that. But the RNC wants to lock it down that, you know, he will pledge his support and I don't, a little piece of paper worth of pledge, like that's not going to do anything, but maybe that helps them feel better. So there's this legitimate fear that Trump would take his 35% MAGA base and run third party. So again, if you are a Republican like myself, we are now stuck with Donald Trump unless something crazy happens. The Democrats had a masterful plan to trap the Republicans to support Trump. However, Biden is so terrible, now their plan is threatened of not being successful because Biden is so terrible. So as a Republican in the Republican Party, 
are we going to overlook all of the shortcomings, all the negatives that surround Trump and put our support behind him and help him and hope, help and hope that those who didn't vote for him in 2020, but did in 2016 are going to come back in 2024. And Trump needs to be the one to actually earn back those voters to win them back. He needs to change his behavior. He is not acting presidential. That's been the biggest knock on him. But Republicans, whether we like it or not, he's the one we have to support. Because the alternative is a Democrat win, and they're becoming more and more radical. We've seen everything that has happened. We've seen the policies that have been implemented. We've seen the executive orders that have been signed. We have seen what their platform is, whether they deny certain things or not. We know what they are. We have the receipts. So despite your opinion of Trump, the alternative, which would be a Democrat victory, is worse than whatever you think of Donald Trump. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.